Coming up on this week's episode of Filmology, we are once again taking a look at romance films, or a film, and then once again having that heated discussion of can Netflix actually make a good action movie? All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Filmology. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I am John Glorowitz, also known as Johnny G, over at filmologyshow.com. And on this week's episode of the show, I am joined by Mike and Samantha. Hi. 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 Sorry, I'm trying for more enthusiasm each time. <laughs> One of those is going to be good, Mike. It's okay. You don't always have to be a Debbie Downer or sarcasm. Or, uh, or sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm. It's a new sarcasm. I kind of want to be sarcasm. It sounds awesome. Okay. Sounds like a Pokemon. Sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if that now becomes a Pokemon, do I get the credit for it? No, I get the credit. Well, that's that's um that's a little bit upsetting there, but it's okay. Um, anyway, on this week's episode here of Filmology, we're taking a look at three films: One Night in Miami, Outside the Wire, and Before Sunrise. All three films are streaming: uh, One Night in Miami streaming on Amazon Prime Video, Outside the Wire streaming on Netflix, and Before Sunrise streaming on HBO Max. However, if you guys haven't had the chance to go look at filmologyshow.com, that's where you guys can go to check out reviews all the way back to 2013. Written reviews back to 2013. This podcast is also hosted on that site. You can check out a whole bunch of different things there uh, from, you know, our top 10 lists of each year. Uh, Once again, reviews. Uh, And Mike, I know that you were being a little pessimistic about a giveaway. It's sarcast, sarcastle. Sarcast? No, he was though. He was like, they, no, he wasn't like that. He was flat out like, what? It says giveaways on the site. There's no giveaway. Well, tune in next week, everybody, for next week's show. I'm not sure what we're reviewing, but there will be a giveaway on next week's show. So just keep that in mind. Everybody, tune in next week. We're gonna be talking can, about can uh, I win? Sundance. Fi- what? Can I win? No, you cannot win. <laughs> and we'll be talking about uh, the Sundance Film Festival, and there will be a giveaway on that show. Uh, it will be a previous Sundance Film Festival film, so just a heads up that it was coming, and if you like Sundance films, there'll be a Blu-ray giveaway coming up. So we have that. Um, once again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz, all filmology show. With that out of the way... Hopefully there's no raccoons that come in and invade the show. Apparently there's a giant raccoon population I didn't know about. Anyway, once again, I said I'm joined by Mike and Samantha. Guys, how are you doing today? How, how are we doing? Are we surviving so far this new political age that we're in? Are we having a good, like, 2021 started off to a rough start? Are we looking any, are we being any more... Optimistic about the year? Are we pessimistic? How is the year going to go? I know Mike keeps telling me that I'm not going to get any movies this year. Um, and Mike, I don't know if you saw, but like just later, or later, earlier today, they moved the James Bond release to October. 
from April to October, and you're right, that movie just might not come out at this point ever. It's going to be like the new mutants all over again. But how are we doing? I'm doing okay. I don't know. How about you, Sam? How are you doing? I'm okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're both okay. You're both talking about raccoons. <laughs> and that's great. I, and I'm doing all right as well. Uh, I'm really happy to be here talking about movies again. And once again, next is that next week? Or when you guys are listening to the show, it will be this week, uh, the Sundance Film Festival. Very excited to be watching a whole bunch of films for that. Actually, later on in this episode, if you stay all the way to the end, the very end, after we wrap up the normal show, uh, Samantha and I will be staying with you to talk about our top, uh, each of us picking top five films that we're anticipated to watch at the Sundance Film Festival. So we'll each have that. That's, once again, at the end of the whole show. So we'll wrap the whole show and then kind of like a post-credits scene, like a Marvel movie. Uh, we'll be talking about the, our films, our, our five films that we're each excited to watch at the Sundance Film Festival. So we have that. Rockets and an Avenger. What are we talking about? Are we going back to the raccoon thing here? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no, Rocket, <laughs> Rocket's not an Avenger. He's a... He's a uh, a guardian of the galaxy, but that's fine. Um, um, but Hawkeye said that if you go out there, you're an Avenger, and Rock, 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 the, Rock, the Raccoon definitely <laughs> went out there in a few movies later. I'm just saying. I think Hawkeye would think the Raccoon is an Avenger. Hawkeye is more of an authority of this, on this than you. I'm just saying. Does that mean Korg's an Avenger? I mean, the, the, the portal scene, there's a lot of people there. And it's yep, just and they're because... all Avengers. Did you not okay, hear Captain well, America say Avengers Assemble? Oh, I did. I, I'm didn't say still Avengers not a huge fan of. I'm still not a huge fan of the delivery of the line. But yeah, I did hear it. Uh, He's not like Avengers and the B-roll people show up too. No, I said all everyone's an Avenger. Okay, we've gone on enough of a tangent here. I think that we're we're going to start going here with the show. So our first film up is going to be One Night in Miami. So here is the trailer for One Night in, in Miami. Ready for tonight? I'm as ready as a person can be. After the fight, we're all coming back here for the champs victory party. Don't be late. Minister Malcolm X. Good news, the chariot is coming. You know I'm the greatest. That's right. Jim Brown takes the ball. Your record is going to stand the test of time. How's everybody feeling tonight? All together, yeah. <laughs> New heavyweight champion of the world. Hey, Jack, we don't suppose you could sign an autograph. Yeah, of course, man. Give him an autograph, Jim. Actually, Mr. Cook. <laughs> oh, sure thing, brother. Oh, yeah, that's the show. Don't you think it's about time to party? Tonight is a chance for us to reflect. Hey. You mean no one else is coming? Well, this is all to a hopping start. <laughs> you all are a bright and shining future. You need to understand what is at stake here. Everything's not so black and white like you make it out to be. But we are fighting for our lives. You know I know what's going on out there, right? One Night in Miami is a fictitious account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gathered discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural upheaval of the 1960s. That is a plot synopsis for One Night in Miami. It is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. It is a film that is produced by uh, Amazon Studios. So, 
for me, that's that, that that's a good sign. I don't know about you guys, but the film that I always go back to that they produced uh, and that I really enjoyed and really love was uh, Manchester by the Sea. That's another film that Amazon Studios was behind. And this film here, this was my pick for this week's show. Obviously, once again, tying into the picks that I usually do, this is a newer release. It was just released on Amazon Prime Video. And, I mean, this this kind of ties into a lot of the things that we were talking about for a while. About uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and how we should be talking about more uh, culturally, culturally significant and, culturally, and uh, more culturally diverse films. So... That's what this film here is. I mean, th- this was originally a stage play, and I know I, I, I would actually really love to see it as a stage play, but I, I found this movie to be really good. Like, I, I, I come close to saying phenomenal. I really love this film, and to be completely blunt, if I had seen this film uh, on Christmas Day when it was in limited release, this film would have made my top ten list of the year. Like, this is a really great film. It's directed by uh, Regina King. I believe this is her directorial debut. Yep, it's her directorial debut. She's directed uh, TV shows before. But for a movie, I thought this was really good. I mean, most of the time when people think of stage stage plays, stage plays, plays as being adapted for film, it's really stagnant. The camera doesn't move that much. It's just kind of still basically a stage play, but being filmed. Uh, this one still moved around enough. It was still act- the camera was active. The actors are what phenomenal. I can't get over how great this cast is. It's easily one of the best ensemble pieces I've seen in a while. Uh, so that that's really good there. And I I really don't have anything bad to say about this film. It was I was engaged the entire time. This is a film about philosophical beliefs and what you should do to benefit your your brothers and your sisters by your place in the world. And I think that's something that, no matter what your uh, skin color is, whatever your gender is, I think those are things that we should be thinking about. It, once again, I think going back to my conversation that we had on our Top 10 show uh, with a Soul, because we're talking about how I always look at the big picture of life, how I can never look at those small moments and enjoy them, that's kind of what I'm going with here. Use your voice to try to benefit others, or at least motivate others to have a more cognitive view of society. So I, I think this is a great film. I highly recommend it. Uh, it it's a two-hour-long film. It, it feels really... like it, it, It's just a moves at such a breezy pace. It's really great. The dialogue, once again, is phenomenal. It's just... It's great. I, I really, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, Mike, what did you think of this film? I think you said most of it. He's said it was a really good film. Like you said, all the performances were phenomenal. Uh, they all seemed like uh, the person they were supposed to be, as far as I could tell. Honestly, don't know much about Sam Cooke, to be honest. But Muhammad Ali, I've seen a lot of footage and a lot of interviews with him and that actor. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Sorry. Uh, captured him really well. Um, well, Malcolm X. Uh, I don't know much, much about Jim Brown besides being a running back, but I feel like he didn't really do as much as the other three in the movie. Maybe he could have been a little more balanced there. But it was really good otherwise. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. 
And Samantha did not watch this movie. I watched part of it. I didn't finish it, though. Why not? Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I had a very important meeting to go to. Based off that little bit of the film that you saw, do you have any interest in, I, I, I hate to say continuing the film, but restarting the film from the beginning and actually watching it in one sitting like it's meant to be watched? Uh, Yeah, from what I saw, the actors were really captivating. I did see a snippet of the ending that interests me, so I, I would want to see how it got there, so I, I would rewatch it, yes. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, once again... I think it's a great film. I encourage everybody to go see it. If you have Amazon Prime, which the more and more people I'm talking to, they do have Amazon Prime, but for some reason they still don't realize that they, they, they can watch things on their Amazon Prime account. It's really weird. I don't know if you guys have noticed that when you're talking to people who, like, they pay $120 a year for Amazon Prime, and they think, okay, that's just for the free shipping. No, you get a whole bunch of other great things with that, from things like this, the Amazon Prime movies or TV shows, to even music. I mean, there's a lot of great things on the uh, Amazon Prime service. Uh, I think there's even books on there, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there is. Anyway, um, this isn't a plug for Amazon, but I do think the Amazon Studios does have some good quality control with the films that they make. So I think that's something worth mentioning. Uh, here at Filmology, we have a rating system. See it, rent it, skip it, let it burn. All of those are self-explanatory besides let it burn, which just means... Everybody involved with the film, from the producers to the caterers, should be put into film purgatory and not be allowed to make a film again for a good long while. This film, for me, One Night in Miami, is an easy one. It is a see-it. I think everyone should rush out to see this film. It is that good. Like, honestly, bring your whole family, watch this film. It is a film that, you know, hopefully gets people talking, gets people re-engaged in the society, in their neighborhood, and just the place where they live. And makes them wonder if they're doing enough with their current place in society to benefit the general overall well-being of, once again, society. Which is things that I think about every day. So, definitely see it. Uh, Mike, what do you think... Oh, what do you think? What is your rating on One Night in Miami? I'm, I'm also see it. It was, like you said, it was very good. Um, yeah, definitely see it. And if you want to agree or disagree with our reviews, you can always email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to kind of bully Samantha into being, why didn't you watch this film? It's a great film. Uh, you can do that too, because <laughs> You she don't need to bully Samantha ever, actually. <laughs> you already said she'd see it, maybe. Just say it's a great film, and I, I, I really, if you don't like the film, I would like to know why you don't like it, because I, I couldn't find any faults in this film. Uh, so, once again, filmologyshow at gmail.com. We're going to be moving right along now to our next film, which is Outside the Wire. Probably a little more conversation with that film. So, here is the trailer for the new Netflix original film, Outside the Wire. Sir, looking for Captain Leo. You must have really messed up if they sent you to Leo. Do you know why you're here? Yeah, because I broke chain of command. Harp, he's not like us. You're up. You're commanding officer. I'm gonna give you 60 seconds to deal with it. Yes, sir. Cool. 
In the near future, a drone pilot sent into a war zone finds himself paired with a top-secret android officer on a mission to stop a nuclear attack. That is a plot synopsis for the uh, latest Netflix original action schlock film. If I'm not showing my hand there already, I'm sorry. I, it's just I have to. Uh, outside the Wire. Mike, this was your pick for this week's show, so why don't you just uh, tell everybody why you picked it and your general thoughts on the film. Uh, I picked it because it was a new movie, and if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the new weekly releases that Netflix was toting that they're doing. One each of this week, or this year, excuse me. Um, so I was like, sure, why not? And what did I think of it? It was kind of long. It was pretty generic, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but also it tries to be a little bit more than just a generic action movie, I think, with the android. Sometimes it seems like they wrote a movie where they're just trying to hit certain points. They're like, oh, it's a military action movie, so there ought to be a scene where the uh, veteran guy is making fun of the new guy and his girlfriend. This seems completely out of place. Um, but then they're like, yeah, let's make him a robot and see what happens and throw in some preachy stuff at the end. Um, yeah, I don't, so it wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't, it wasn't very good either. So that's pretty, it was good if it was just generic, but the Android stuff brought it down, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Samantha, your general thoughts on Outside the Wire? Um, I'm not... I don't usually like action movies that are like this, with war especially, and I felt that the android was kind of thrown in, but it also made me personally more curious about what they were going to do with it. I'm not sure if I agree with some of their decisions. It was, it was okay. I do have to say that, like, War Games did the whole robot and war thing better, so, uh, I'd say go see War Games instead. For those of you who don't know, War Games is like the one movie that Samantha's just like, it's War Games, it's the best thing ever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not. And she's, and war Games is amazing. Like, oh, no, no, War Games is war fine. War Games did oh, it better. Fine. War Games is fine. It's just not one of these like all-time classic films. It's 100% it's a, movie, a classic film. It's, it's a, 100%. Oh, it's not. A, okay. <laughs> it is not. A, okay. Whatever. That, that's. Whatever. That's fine. We, we're, everyone's once again allowed to have their own opinion. But I disagree that War Games is a classic film. It's a great film, but not a classic. But as for this film, Outside the Wire, I mean, I, I was going to ask if Netflix has any quality control, and obviously they don't. They're just like, cool, we have a film, let's release it, and just pretend it's good, and then tr they, like trick everybody? I don't know what they're doing here. Uh, other than giving Anthony Mackie a paycheck, which is great. I think everyone here, I, I can... I, I'm assuming everybody here likes Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. Okay, it, it, I really like Anthony Mackie. I, even in like the, the adjustment bureau, I really liked him in there. He's just a great presence I like to see in films. And that's really the best thing I can say about this film is, hey, it had Anthony Mackie and they gave him a paycheck and I'm like, good job. You deserve a paycheck. I'm sorry that they, you didn't get any good material to work with, but you got to act. And it's not in a Marvel movie. As much as I like him being Falcon... I do want him to do other things, as I want uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, the entire cast of Mark Ruffalo, to go on to do other things besides Marvel films, as much as I enjoy them. I just... I kept thinking about the two films while watching this. I kept thinking of Extraction, which is a film that we reviewed and I was very, I think, negative on. Uh, but that film at least had good action in it. 
it was mindless action, but it was still good. This film doesn't have any good action scenes. And another film which I kept thinking about with um, in regards to the to the cyborg, which would be bright, the because because of, of the orc character and uh, working with the cops and everything like that. Like, like this kind of feels like that, and I didn't like bright. I don't like extraction. I don't really care for a lot of these uh, these movies that Netflix is making that are just put out there to say, yes, we have a ton of content. It's usually the films like The Irishman, Marriage Story, that are not like, hey, we're going to put this out there just to say we have something. Those are the films that they're trying to be like, hey, we want an Oscar. Now, obviously, they're like, hey, we want an Oscar, so we're trying to make a really great movie. I mean, that's not a bad thing overall, but it's, it's, they're trying a little too hard. But go back to this film. I just, yes, I'm sorry, Mike. Generic in this case is bad. I'm really sick of just generic films because those are worse than a bad film because they're not even trying at this point. They're like, cool, we got a C, let's move on. You're going to like it. It's a C because you're streaming us. You're, you don't actually, like, quote unquote, you're not paying for this film. So it's fine. And to me, that's never fine. I don't care if I'm watching it here at my house on Netflix or if I'm over at a friend's house watching it on their Netflix account or whatnot. It's never fine to just be, hey, we're passable and you're going to accept it because that's what you're so used to. That's the standard of Netflix right now is passable. And yet again, I think that's wrong. I think that's not good. I I, I hope I'm eating my words <laughs> Because I, I know we're going to have a lot more Netflix movies coming up on this show to review. And I'm hoping some of them are good. But I just, I don't know. Like, at the beginning of this movie when it's about the drone pilot, I kept thinking of a really great and interesting movie. Uh, it's one of Alan Rickman's last movies, uh, Eye in the Sky. Did it, either of you see that film? Nope. Nope. Okay, well, that has to do with the, the whole consequences of, hey, you're a drone, you're... A drone pilot and you're at this place of safety and you're not really impacted by what's going on you can make a terrible decision that impacts the lives of a hundred hundreds of people but you yourself get to go home you crawl into your bed the next day or th that same day and just keep on living your life i think that's a very interesting concept and this film keeps mentioning it but you, you're never really feeling the impact of that you're never feeling any consequences for these actions. I think they try. They try to give you some of that feeling, but it just doesn't pan out quite the way they want it to. Well, then my question is, is it because... You know, like where he's all like, I couldn't save them in that one part where it's like kind of... It's not... It's near the beginning, but like it's after he's been deployed in his other position... Like, I think they tried, it just didn't work. So then I, I have a, a question for everybody, and it is, my question is pretty simple. Is is that because this is a bad script, or is it because uh, Demson Idris, who plays the main character, is a bad actor? Now, I'm going to say it's both. I don't think that I ever really get an emotional read on uh, Idris in this film, and the script's pretty bad. It's just a clunky, generic script that you could plug in. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like we've seen this film like 50, 50 times before. It feels like every, like, just... 
every straight-to-DVD or VHS action film. And I thought we were past that. I mean, can't we get past the fact of putting schlocky B-movies out? I mean, this isn't even a schlocky B-movie. I mean, this, this, this is just a bland... I'd rather have a schlocky, over-the-top action film that's overly violent than this film, which just gives me nothing. And I think that's the thing that, that makes me just frustrated about this film, is because of how mediocre it is, it feels like it's doing its job. But anyway, you guys didn't answer the question. I went on a rant there. Is it because it's a bad actor, or is it because the script's bad? I just think the script isn't 100% sure, or the writer wasn't 100% sure what they wanted it to be. Like I said, I thought they maybe started with a generic action movie, then added the android stuff in. That's what it seems like, at least. I don't think the actor was necessarily bad. He wasn't great. I don't think he's going to win an Oscar anytime soon, but I don't think the, the Idris guy was awful at his job. I also think it's the script. Because I felt like some of the scenes could have been refined a little bit more to have a harder impact than what they were. Yeah, a little choppy chop here. Maybe add, I don't know, a little something to keep the main message of the movie front and center a little bit more or something along those lines. I don't know. This was, uh, it seemed like an unfinished script, basically. I hate to ask, like, what is the message of this film? But what is the message of this film? What am I supposed to be feeling once... The credits start to roll. And the only thought that I had was, I wish the credits had started sooner. Ooh. I feel like Anthony Mackie goes on like a 30 second rant at the end of the movie, telling you his feelings, and then the Aegis guy's like, nah, we can, we'll be better. I mean, they, they kind of show it down your throat at the very end. I, I, I get that that happened, and I'm not trying to say it doesn't. I'm just, I don't believe that. It's, it's not that I don't believe what Anthony Mackie's saying, I just... I don't believe that this movie was leading us to that point. It just kind of comes out of there and just says, Hey, surprise, humanity sucks. Let's destroy all humanity so we can kind of start anew. It, 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 in all honesty, I had, just re I had just watched, a week ago, Avengers Age of Ultron. This is the plot of Avengers Age of Ultron. And I said that was a bad movie. Well, not a bad movie, but that is a, also another mediocre movie. And it's taking a, a plot that we've seen before. The, the, this is the plot of Terminator. Come on, people. Let's stop ripping off one of the best science fiction movies ever. Like, just because it's great, accept that it's great, and then try and do something different with it. Don't just copy it, because that's just boring at this point. Ratings. Let's do ratings. Mike, you went first. You're rating, then Samantha, then mine. I'm gonna, uh, say skip it. Um, unless you're just really, really into... This kind of generic action movie with a little something thrown in. Um, but overall, I think it was poorly executed, and you should skip it. I, I'd i also give it a skip it. It didn't offend me as much as it seems to have offended Jonathan, but I also wouldn't recommend going out of your way to see it, so skip it. And really, I do want to give this a let it burn, but there's one reason why I'm not, and it's because of Anthony Mackie. I think that he does give... I don't want to say I don't want to say it's like once again it's not a great Oscar-winning performance in this film. I mean we we've seen or oh, ho hopefully Oscar-winning performances in One Night in Miami. I mean all those performances were phenomenal. And, and Anthony Mackie is doing a slightly better than passable job in this film. I mean he's the best part of the film, and for that I have to give this a skip it, which I mean it's saying hey you got one guy who's great, but still don't bother with this movie. 
because it is it's just a rip off of every science fiction movie you've ever seen and i i think that once again my whole thing is as an audience we deserve better i don't want to have anybody waste their two hours watching this film when you could spend two hours watching one night in miami or watching i don't know anything else I just think there's so much better content out there. I, I don't want anybody to waste their time. That's really what it comes down to. Don't waste your time. So, skip it. Man, I'm really hoping Netflix comes out with some better content, though. I I, we were, I was just commenting how I thought Amazon Studios has good quality control. But Netflix, I just... They, they don't seem to have a cohesive vision for what they want their... their um, their films to be other than, hey, we have a new film a week. Which, Mike, I mean, if they have a new film a week and they're all at this lo- level, does that make you excited to see these new Netflix films? I don't think this movie is as bad as you think it is. Um, and I also disagree with Netflix overall quality. Or I don't, I think, I think Netflix's vision for their movies is more general. They're trying to replace like a TV channel or multiple TV channels instead of just one. So they have a wide variety of content that doesn't always appeal to, like, you seem want to like more Oscar-worthy movies or, like, something that elevates it, but not everyone wants to watch that. Sometimes people just want to s- sit back and watch a dumb action movie. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just enjoy it. And that's what Netflix is aiming for. Both for you, they're releasing, like, the marriage... Is it Marriage Story? A Marriage Story? There you go. Um, but for like someone else to re- uh, releasing The Old Guard or Project Power or um, the Will Smith movie, I can't remember. So yeah, I, I feel Netflix is achieving what they want to achieve. And I feel, I mean, once again, The Old Guard, we talked about it. I wasn't a big fan of that film either, but that film is a lot better than this. And that's at least trying to bring some interesting concepts up about aging and what does it be, what is it like to to age and everyone around you is dying. I think, I think... Strike that, reverse that. Uh, what is it like when you don't age, but everyone else does and they die? I think that's an interesting concept. This film just doesn't offer anything that's interesting and, and you're correct, engaging. I don't... I'm past the point, I guess, in my cynicism here or whatever, uh, where I don't like just dumb action movies. I don't want to see Taken 20. I really don't. And... In some cases, uh, with the Fast and Furious films, that are dumb action films, but they still set up enough story and have characters that are engaging and likable that I can go along with a dumb action film. This doesn't have anything like that. I like Anthony Mackie because he's do- he's trying to do a okay job with the material that he's given. But if there's only one person who's doing that and the rest of the cast isn't, the film just falls apart like a house of cards to me. I didn't get- You're right. I do understand that people... Well, just put this on because they're like, oh, what is this? And just put it on and walk away and just check out a couple action scenes here or there. I That's never been how I watch movies. I, I need to realize that we're in a different age now with streaming. My way of watching things is probably going away. Theaters aren't really going to be coming back in a big way. So I need to move on. Sad but true. If you agree or disagree with any of our thoughts on Outside the Wire, feel free to email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We're going to be moving on to our last review here, which is Before Sunrise. So here is the trailer for Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise. All right, I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just going to haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. 
Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. We just got into Vienna today, and we're looking for something fun to do. Sprechen English? Yeah, of course. Because yeah. uh, we speak German for a change. Now I'm going to call my best friend in Paris, who I'm supposed to have lunch with in eight hours. Okay? Okay. Ring, ring. Pick up the phone. Uh, hello? I don't think I'm going to be able to make it for lunch today. I'm sorry. I met a guy on the train, and I got off with him in Vienna. We're still there. Are you crazy? Probably. On his way to Vienna, American Jesse meets Celine, a student returning to Paris. After long conversations for goal, a surprising connection between them, Jesse convinces Celine to get off the train with him in Vienna. Since his flight to the U.S. departs the next morning and he has no money for lodging, they wander the city together, taking in the experiences of Vienna and each other. That is the plot synopsis for Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise. This film is streaming right now on HBO Max. And this was Samantha's pick for this week's show. So, Samantha, why don't you tell us why you picked the film and your general thoughts on the film. I honestly picked the film because it looked like a romance film, and I like those. And with the topical film, well, semi-topical film and the action film, I thought it'd be a nice way to kind of balance the scale. And I know we've talked about watching it before, so I was like, eh, might as well do this one. And I liked it. I was kind of cynical at first. I, uh, I don't trust the main guy, and I just, I couldn't see putting myself in Celine's shoes. I couldn't see myself going with him off of the train, because I just felt like he was lying through his teeth the whole time. But once the movie went on, I was like, okay, maybe he's kind of legit every once in a while. But, yeah, I... I struggled connecting with their romance because of that, because I'm just like, he kind of seems like he's just BSing you and doesn't actually know anything. But throughout the entire thing, it did end me with the feeling of, end with me feeling the feeling of kind of like a, like the missed opportunity, the bittersweet goodbye. And I, I really think that's what the movie was was striving for, so I think it it hit what it wanted to do, and I did like how some of the ways they played off each other when they were meeting the new people around the city, kind of how she was leading him and he was following, because she's just like, look, let's explore, and he's just like, I guess, if you want to. Yeah, um, I'm kind of rambling. Go ahead, John. The Before Trilogy, I've said this before, I'll say this now, one of my all-time favorite trilogies ever. I adore Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. Completely love them. Back when I first saw this film, I would say that I was a lot more optimistic, a lot more, I, I don't want to say romantic, but a lot more, you know, just innocent with the world, I guess. And... This film really represents that. It represents uh, just this, 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 this. It's it's so hard to describe a feeling, which is what this film is for me. It it really is a feeling of just that 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 love that you have for somebody, that first love, that intrigue, and how you never want to like. You could just talk about anything, anything at all, and just wander and talk for hours, which is what this film is and what it does. 
and I love it so much because it's just, it it just captures that feeling. I, I it's so hard to talk about a film that captures a feeling, uh, which is what before which is what all all three of the films do, and it's all different feelings, which is why I love it. But um, I I I love this film, and I I understand what you're saying, Samantha. With you, you don't want to trust you don't want to trust Jesse, um, played by Ethan Hawke. A part of me wants to kind of want to come out and say, well, actually, I don't know how to take that because I, I mean, would I go off with him? No, I wouldn't go off with him. But that's because I don't. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't get off the train with anybody. Like I wouldn't. I, I just. I, that, that's not who I am. Would I kind of question my mind then after? Okay, what would have happened if I did that? Yeah, of course I would. But why is the specific reason that you don't trust him? I, I hate. I hate to. I really hate to play a gender card and say, okay, is it because he's a male and is that why you don't want to go off with him? Or if we if you gender flip that role and say, okay, he's a female, would you have gone off with her at that point? It was saying the same like mannerisms and attitude because I, I don't think that he's at, at this point in the film when you're talking in the, at, at the train I don't feel he's overly the, the words escaping me but why wouldn't you why, why wouldn't you get off the train with him is it just I mean, I'm just curious if it was a girl I still wouldn't get off the train I think maybe I've just been in quarantine too long because I feel like if anybody talked to me on the train and was like, would you come with me? I'd be like, uh, no. Um, I guess I don't like the gregarious outward outwardness, I guess. I don't know. But, but here's the, this, this is what I want to bring but up. But I know that but, if he didn't this, do that, it wouldn't happen. This is so what I'm I like, want to okay. bring up. No, I, this is why I think you're incorrect here because... <laughs> because Look at their conversation at the beginning. He just says, are you understanding this when the, the couple's fighting? That's that's all. And Celine says, no. And then she continues the conversation. It's not Jesse. Okay, okay. I wouldn't continue the conversation. Is that better? I'd be like, no, I don't. I... Okay, th- that's fair. Is that just, better for you? I, I, well, yes. But that makes, I, I think that makes a world of difference. I'm just saying difference. if I got because... to the point of having a conversation, I still wouldn't leave the train. And, I mean... You know me. I'll have a conversation with, depending on where I'm at and where we're going. I can have a conversation with anybody. So would I have a conversation if a couple's fighting? I mean, probably. I'd say, oh, look at the, look at the couple up there. They're causing a ruckus. Don't you think that's, <laughs> don't you think that's just you know, terrible? I might just say that out loud so everybody can hear. But uh, and then if anyone wanted to talk about, it, we could talk about it and spill some tea over that couple. But. Um, <laughs> Mike, we, we obviously we're, we're squabbling here about I, I don't want to say semantics of the film, but uh, it's more like semantics of me. Well, no, I, Very I, targeted I, there. I do want to make a point that it is Celine who I don't want to say starts the conversation, but she definitely isn't the one. She she definitely is the one. Well, she's the right type of person who gets off the train with someone. So she's the right type of person. So you're, you're, to, no, no, she, no, throughout no, the whole, I have a problem Jonathan, with this. Mm-hmm. No. Throughout the entire movie, she's also the one leading him to these new people that he wouldn't have approached himself. So she's that type of person. No, because I disagree with that for this one reason. She has been here before. It is not, this place is new for her. She is showing this person places that were important to her at one point in her life. Now, it might have only been important for five seconds of the, that day that she was there, but it was still made an impact on her. 
it would be completely different, I feel, if they were gotten off at a city that none of neither of them had been to, and then they're having these experiences in the city. I mean, yes, I agree that Jesse wouldn't go and have his palm read by some some somebody. I, to be honest, I wouldn't either. So, <laughs> something we can agree on. I, I really just feel we're playing... I, I, I just think we, we have some different readings here on these characters. That also might be because I know where the characters go in the other films. So I'm reading some of the, my uh, knowledge from the other installments into this film. Th that's probably wrong of me to do, but I, I do know uh, other things that happen to these characters. Mike, what do you think here of Before Sunrise? I really, I really, I really enjoyed it. Sorry, I after all that, I kind of lost what I was going to say. Um... But, like, that's what you two were talking about, though. I definitely can understand why, like, maybe not specifically, but, like, from a female perspective, there's been a lot of charming serial killers, especially if you're alone in a different country. You don't know Oh, there. come on! Why you go off the No, I don't no. understand. Of course, I understand why someone wouldn't want to go. I don't know. It was just very confusing. Anyway. I mean, the serial killer is extreme. Where is... Charming people who try to rob you. That, that is extreme. Where? Wh why can't we just have a... No, I, I understand the whole notion of stranger in danger. Completely get that. But can't we just let that... like For a film. Not in real life. I mean, whatever everybody wants to do in their real life, honestly. Like, protect yourself and everything like that. But for a film that we all know isn't going to end up in a serial killer way. We don't way. know. Are you kidding me? It's we called, don't know. It's called Before but Sunrise. Before Sunrise, she got murdered. Oh, is, no. Like, you asked Samantha what she would do, though, and Samantha doesn't live in a movie. They're different. That's correct. I, are you sure? I, we could live in the Truman Show. I still don't know that. But I'm just saying... I Just because you are a male and you don't have that inkling like spine crawl when you're alone with somebody you don't know i know she wasn't alone on the train but like i don't know i just i have a strong feeling about not talking to I, people that i don't know or i'm not feeling i safe. think i think you're correct as a male because you I'm, don't have the same feeling I, 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 you're right you i don't. don't i've i've never once thought that while watching this film that she was in any danger at all Never. Walking around all night? Uh, that's a hell no. This city never sleeps. Come on. every. Uh, you don't walk around at night. You just don't. Like even, I don't? I don't. Like, even as a male, I've you lived in like, London and Milwaukee, and I've definitely felt freaked out at night sometimes when I was like by myself at 3 in the morning trying to get back home. I mean, I've someone, I had someone trying to pickpocket me in London. I've had people follow me in Milwaukee, things like that. So like, I would definitely understand where they would be in danger throughout that whole night. I, I can't believe I'm the one here saying, I don't know what I'm trying to say at this point. I, I, I get where everyone's coming from. I really do. But I just, I, I don't get that vibe. And I, I really can't, we're not even getting to the main point of the film, which is the chemistry between these two. We're going stranger danger, stranger danger, stranger danger, which I think is saying, okay. For you directly asked me if I would act on stranger danger or not. So that's why we're talking about I it. Guess, I, 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 guess, I guess I did go down this rabbit hole, but I'm just, I can't. Uh, yeah, the movie, inside the movie, I never felt they were really in danger. I don't know if someone would give an American a bottle of wine in a bar, though, so it's not always 
accurate to reality. He totally did not take the address either. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, the guy didn't give like, it either. You think I didn't give the address? He's, so he's like, oh. not getting his money back. Just to be back. clear though, I love no, the movie. No, but, I, mean, I loved it, but it's not always the most realistic. It's not presenting yeah. the situation. Oh, 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 so one that. scene, one, one specific scene of the wine, is that really the only scene here that's not like realistic? I mean, but getting off the train. Okay. <laughs> I really want to. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go. Okay, so this this is based. I mean, not taking place in Vienna, but taking place in Philadelphia. This Richard Linklater had. This is based off of a romanticized fantasy, I guess, of a night that Richard Linklater had. He did have a. Uh, he did meet somebody for one night, and they went and they talked to throughout the whole wandered the streets of Philadelphia. And talked. I don't know what they talked about, but if, you, if you've ever heard Richard Linklater talk, he is very much Jesse. He is very philosophical and very pretentious at times. And they, 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 Once again, that's just Jesse, so you can feel that that's him. Now, the big difference for this one specific film, where there's a break in reality, which is, once again, why it becomes a romanticized fantasy, is Richard Linklater and that, that girl did keep in contact. And then things kind of fizzled and fell apart. I mean, obviously, we don't know. That's their personal lives. That's fine. But the thing that, that this film does that is the romantic side of it is they don't want to ruin this perfect moment in time. This perfect encapsul- encapsulation of an infatuation, of longing, of love. They don't want to ruin that with anything else to come. And I, I personally think that's, I mean, a very real thing, and I think that, once again, this does happen to people. I mean, come on. I get that we, you guys are all stranger danger, but people meet all the time, whether it be uh, at a coffee shop. I mean, not now, obviously, with COVID and everything, but they'd meet at a coffee shop, they'd meet at a bar. They, these things happen. I don't know why. I'm not saying they don't like, ever happen, no. I'm just saying I understand someone's hesitation, someone not wanting to get off a train in the middle of a different country. That's all I was saying. Like, I, I realize strangers meet each other and go on to sometimes live their entire lives together, and it works out fantastic. But, like, I was just pointing out it wasn't unreasonable for her not to want to go off the train. That was, that would be scary. I feel like I'm watching a completely different film, I guess, and I, and because I never, once again, realized Stranger Danger, I was just going with the journey of these two on this film, and... I mean, Ethan Hawke can obviously play devious characters. He has before. But I I just never... I never got that vibe from this character. And I, I, I understand. I mean... Maybe it's just... Not everybody a, a is as they seem. In the male privilege like that. that we have. That Like, I wouldn't have to worry about it. I Any girl I get off train with, I probably have like 100 pounds on. I'm a big dude. Like, I wouldn't have to worry about her attacking me, probably. It's just something we don't have to worry about or understand from the female perspective why they wouldn't get off. I think the movie captures the feeling that you're describing. I think it does capture that, but it took me a while to be like, okay, he's probably not going to kill her. I can get in with this (laughs) now. I can see it. They're having a good time. I I guess I'll, like, relax a little bit. If you gave the movie to someone who didn't know the genre at all and, like, they understood there was the possibility that it could be any genre... Like, that feeling would be totally understandable. Like, it could totally go south at, like, any moment, and you'd be like, oh my god, what a twist. 
I'm just saying. I, 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 sure. I, I, I'm just accepting to be like at this point. So I, well, I am a fan because I know, I really feel like, I really feel like our, I, I'm, I'm trying lightly here because obviously I do agree with like the Me Too movement. I do think that uh, w- women need to be heard a lot more than they are right now currently with uh, everything. Not just, not just like sexual, like, uh, sexual abuse or things like that, or sexual harassment, that they need to be out, I don't want to say outspoken more, because most of them are very outspoken, they're just not being heard by the right people. I just never got that vibe from this film, and I feel like our current place here, watching the film in 2021, instead of 1995, I feel like we've become a lot more open to concepts like that, like, hey, this this isn't a good situation, or back in 1995, they would have been like, okay, yeah, it might be weird, but fine, let's go with it. I, I just feel like our current society, I, I, I really don't want to say it's become more toxic because it, it, I mean, well, yeah, our current society has become more toxic, but not in this manner. Uh, I, we've just become more, we, we're just realizing more of what a crazy world we live in and what a, well, how messed up people can actually be. I, we, I mean, yes, we've always had serial killers in the world, but lately with things like Facebook in Twitter and 24-hour news, these things are up in our face a lot more than they used to be. And I, I think that... that you're right. I don't think this film could happen today. I, I don't. And so I'm really happy that we, we got the film when we did. I think that's a great film. And I didn't get hung up on that because that's not what the film's trying to tell me. Or it's not trying to do anything with. So now I'm getting hung up on it because I'm really... Either... You're right. I do have male privilege... So, I've never worried about that. Not in my, like, ten other times of watching the film, or the time watching it before this podcast. I've never once thought about that. And maybe that's a problem with me. So, I apologize to anybody out there if I offended you. Not trying to, just saying I didn't get that vibe. Did we like the chemistry between the two once they got off the train? Yeah, I really loved it. I thought they had fantastic chemistry. They did a great job of the acting. It was fantastic. Um, they... At, I had times, I would have been convinced occasionally that if you just gave me that clip and asked if it was real, if you somehow just, like, got rid of the fancy camera angles and somehow made it more, like, found footage or something, that you could, there was a possibility you could convince me that was actually happening. Their conversations seemed genuine at times and things like that. Yeah, it was fantastic. I also like their chemistry. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we're all on the same page there. And then really, that is the biggest reason why I like this film, the chemistry, and it feels authentic. I mean, when we get to the top five Richard Linklater films, I mean, that's what I that's what I love in his films, is how intimate and authentic they feel. It's, it, it's hard to think of other filmmakers who are doing stuff like this, and the fact that we get to revisit these characters in two other films, I mean, those... Before Midnight in particular is a heart-wrenching film it's it's taking these characters that you you you've come to love and just throwing your feelings into a blender and just putting it on high it's terrible to go through that but every relationship has these those moments where you're like man why am i with this person this wasn't this wasn't supposed to be the way that things are going they're supposed to be like how they first were how they always our relationship was always supposed to be like it was when we first fell in love, which would be like this film. And I think that's why this is the strongest film. That's why this is the film that most people go to, is because it captures that innocence, that 
that spark, when you first feel it, it just lights up your entire world. And that's what this film does to me. It, it just makes me, I mean, not to get too much into it here, I guess, but it makes me just love the person who I'm with even more because I'm like, oh, wait, man, I remember these conversations that we had when we were first started dating, first started talking. I mean, they're not they're not as philosophical as the conversations in this film, but I, I see that spark. I see where we are now, and I still love that. And yes, we've grown to have fights. We've grown to have different conversations, but th- th- that spark is still there. And I think that's something that I love to see, uh, and I think that other people do as well. So when they see this film, they're like, no, yeah, we have our rough times, but no, we still have that spark. We still have this, this uh, innocence about where our lives are going and the connections that we can share. I think that's great. And I really do love this film. So I know I'm going way out of order here, but definitely for me, it's a see it. See the whole trilogy. I mean, we'll get to it more in the top five. But Before Sunrise, is for me, it is honestly a perfect film. And I I love it. So uh, definitely see Before Sunrise. I also see it. It was fantastic. Definitely go see it. I'd say see it and just know, just note the time period and see it. <laughs> if you agree or disagree with any of our thoughts, or once again, I, you, if you want to contribute to the would you get off the train or wouldn't you conversation, <laughs> email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. I, didn't, I really didn't expect us to get that far off track. I don't know if it's off track, but to that far in depth to that part of the film i i wasn't expecting that i'm happy that we did because it, it's it's i don't want to say it's making me see the film in a different light because it's not going to but it, it makes me realize a little bit more my male privilege that i have which I, we, we don't need to get we don't need to psychoanalyze me today uh but anyway uh once again email us at filmology show at gmail.com we're going to play a clip here from Before Sunrise, and we'll see you on the other side to talk about our top five Richard Linklater films. Do you have any idea what they were arguing about? Do, do you speak English? Yeah. No. I'm sorry, my Germany's not very good. Have you ever heard that as couples get older, they lose their ability to hear each other? No. Well, supposedly, men lose their ability to hear higher pitch sounds, and women eventually lose hearing on the low end. I guess they sort of nullify each other or something. I guess. Nature's way of allowing couples to grow old together without killing each other. All right, and we are back now to talk about our top five Richard Linklater films. If you couldn't tell by our previous heated discussion about Before Sunrise, I really like Richard Linklater, I really like the films that he makes. And the thing which I also, I mean, obviously I said I like the films that are authentic and full of intimacy. That's, those aren't the only films that he can make, which is why I think he's a, such a great director. He also can make studio films like Bad News Bears, School of Rock, and just films that are popcorn-pleasing films. I don't think that the, Before Sunrise is a, po- a popcorn-pleasing film to everybody. I, I think it's great, but I know that... If I showed it to a 13-year-old, they're not going to like it. But they would still love School of Rock. So I, I think it's really cool that this uh, director can make films for everybody. 
does anybody have anything that they'd like to say about Richard Linklater before we go? Or I'm probably the only one who's like, yeah, great, Richard Linklater. Or, or, or I personally seek out his films. I'm probably the only one on this podcast who does that. Uh, I enjoy it. The movies I've watched, I've really enjoyed. Um, actually, looking over the list again, I have seen five of them. And I've enjoyed most of them. Um, and I agree with you. They seem very authentic. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably watch more of his movies. And I'll probably go back to what we watch one of the ones that I can barely remember for some reason, but yeah, he seems like a good director. And I don't think Samantha has anything to say on this topic, no? No, okay. So I'm just going to start us off because, I mean, this was the this was the top five I was really excited for, so I'm just going to start us off. Uh, my number five, it's probably a film that most people aren't going to really mention. It's not really mentioned when you think of a Richard Linklater film, but for me, it's uh, it hits off sweet spots. Uh, it's a coming-of-age film. It's dealing with Orson Welles, who is this, you know, big, over-the-top, I mean, everything in Welles' life is over-the-top, uh, actor, director, what, what have you, whatever you want to say about Welles at that point. But uh, anyway, it's me and Orson Welles. It's a coming-of-age film starring Zac Efron, uh, which was one of the, the, the first films, I believe, that showed that Zac Efron did have range. He wasn't just Troy from High School Musical longing for Gabriella on a, on a golf course. God, that just sounds just terrible when I'm saying it like that, man. But that's what's happening there. Uh, point being, Efron's showing that he has range. And I, I, I think that Linklater is one of the first people that brought that out from uh, Efron. And I, I think it's great. Uh, it's a sweet story. Yes, Orson Welles is... I mean, the, the, I can't remember the actor. The Orson Welles impersonator who's playing Welles in the film, and I apologize for that. But you do get to see... All sides of Wells, how he could be carried, but he's gonna push you. He's gonna. He's going to push you and show that he's in control, no matter what. So, it's it's it is hard to deal with a personality like that, but it's being authentic to who Orson Wells was as a person. So, uh, you, you, I understand we can take it or leave that. But uh, number five is uh, me and Orson Wells. Samantha, would you like to go next? Sure, I have a quick comment on that though. Okay. I was I got partway through the movie, so unfortunately it's not on my list. But uh, I didn't actually know that Orson Welles was a person, <laughs> so I was just taking it as like this is just a character. <laughs> so now before I go finish I, it, I I'm gonna have to look up the person. <laughs> I think that Samantha lost all credibility being on a film podcast <laughs> not knowing that orson wells is a person say uh, once again orson wells directed and co-wrote one of the greatest american films of all time citizen kane oh i haven't seen that one yet. yeah i know that's, so yeah. here's my credibility for being on this podcast i am grounding the podcast to the average viewer who hasn't done film classes Are you kidding me? or have no. watched all the classes. No way. I'm just the average Jane. If you I can see that. Mike, Orson does, does, Mike, Orson does probably the general public know? No. They probably know him for the... It was, it was Orson Welles who did the uh, radio cast. 
crap up. For War of the Worlds. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the famous War of the Worlds radio. Are you kidding? That was, if, if you if you. <laughs> I used to listen to that radio cast every Halloween. Every Halloween, I used to listen to that radio cast. And you're like, what is this? I don't know. It's a radio cast. It's so famous, Samantha. It is a radio cast <laughs> that he did, and he was so manipulative. He made people think that it was an actual alien invasion happening, like in oh, real time. Manipulative would be the people, right word. Like, Probably convincing. He did such a good performance. Well, I mean, I mean, sure, it's convincing, but there's still commercials in it. It wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't 100%, hey, this is actually happening. I mean, he did play it, obviously, to be like it was. But, I mean, there, there were people calling the police. There were there were, pe- there were people who committed suicide over that radio broadcast because they thought aliens were invading. It, it, is, it is infamous. It is, it is great. And I... I I really can't get over the fact that you don't know who Orson Welles is. I mean, we could go into Transformers. He's the voice of what? Unicron? I think it's Unicron. It's his last role. I mean, think of how far he fell. Think of how far he fell. He went from Citizen Kane to Transformers. Anyway, whatever. Uh. So, my number five is Dazed and Confused. Um, Which I... Samantha is right now because she doesn't know who Orson Welles is. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was just okay. I didn't, I didn't like it too much. Um, I've, yeah, I've seen, I've seen snippets ahead, of it, but I, like, I agree. I'm not super impressed. Everyone seems to hold it in high regard, and I'm just, what I saw wasn't very impressive. I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's not a film that made my list because I don't, I, I, it's, I don't care for that film as much. I understand why people like it, but I think they like it for two reasons. It does give us a cast that's really good and. I mean, has gone on to do better things than that film, and the soundtrack's really good. So those two things together uh, just create this nostalgia for the film, uh, which I mean, the, the whole film is playing on nostalgia anyway. So uh, I, I understand why people like it. I, it's just not, it's not my cup of tea. I have another nostalgia pick on my list, but we'll get to that later. Mike, uh, you number five. Um, I barely remember this because it came out sixteen years ago, and I watched it when it probably when it came out on DVD. But Bad News Bears, uh, I've only watched five movies of his through all the way that is one of them so that got on the list by default um, I'm not the biggest fan I think I don't remember liking Billy Bob Thorne back then very much I don't even really really visit his stuff very much since then but um, yeah that's on my list because it's the fifth movie that I've watched all the way through once again not on my list but this was one of his studio films and I mean it's good it's fine it, it, it's just I think the biggest thing was was anybody asking for a remake of Bad News Bears, and I, I don't think they were. A Matt, a Walter Matthau in that original film does a, a great job, and Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, he's just being Billy Bob Thornton, whatever. I mean, does anybody even think about Billy Bob Thornton anymore? I've never thought about him either. Well, you, I mean, it's fine to not know what Billy Bob <laughs> Thornton is. Right now. I, I really think that's fine. I don't. You might not. Have, you might not have even seen a movie that he's in. To be completely honest. With to you. be completely honest, I feel like you're just listing people I've never heard of, and then like sometimes you're like, "Oh my god, how do you not know them?" Oh my god, and then other times you're just like, "Meh, yeah, that's fine." I just feel like it's a trap. It's not a trap. I'm just... it's a trap. <laughs> have you seen Armageddon? Oh, no. Should, it's my favorite Billy Bob Thornton movie. It's a fantastic movie. You should watch it. I'm going to pick it. I'm going to see if I can find it streaming someplace. 
It's uh, one of the Criterion Channel, uh, not Criterion Channel, uh, is a Criterion movie for some reason, but let's not get into that here. Uh, my number four is a film that I, I, I grew up watching, loved it, uh, and it still holds up really well. School of Rock is my number four pick. I think it's Jack Black's best film, and it's, it's, it's great. It's a great comedy. It's got some great music in it. It's just, you know, a great, it's a great film. It really is. And I think, I mean, most people my age have seen it. I don't think a lot of people growing up, I mean, who are 10 years younger than me have seen it. But if just me mentioning it here gets people to see it, that's the whole point. So, School of Rock. My number four is also School of Rock. That's all I have to say. Do you know who Jack Black is? <laughs> yes, I do know who that is. <laughs> Let's rock, everybody. <laughs> just had to check. Just really had to check. <laughs> Um, my number four, uh, and it's my number four because I don't, I, I know I watched it, like I have the memory of watching it and when I read the plot synopsis of it, because I was like, oh, I think I watched that movie. Like I knew the details of it, but it doesn't, it hasn't stuck in my head for some reason. It might have just been the circumstances under which I watched it because I don't even remember those at all. Usually I have some vague idea, but that movie's just there in my head. Um, but before midnight or after midnight, crap. I didn't write the name of the title down. That was dumb. Is it before or after? It's, it's before okay. midnight, but... Yeah, that's my number four. I'll probably revisit the whole trilogy after watching Before Sunrise. Maybe that'll move up the list. They have... I mean, once again, just to kind of plug Criterion here, there's a really great Criterion set that comes with... I mean, the only way you can buy... I think it actually is the only way you can buy the first two films on Blu-ray is to get that Criterion set... I, I don't know if I can't don't quote me and that that might not be 100% true but I know for a while there that was the only way you could buy the first two films on Blu-ray it was the Criterion set and once again I mean it, Criterion it's expensive but definitely worth it there's some great bonus material there and the films have never looked better than they have on that Criterion set so uh, quick shout out to that uh, my number three pick uh, it's Everybody Wants Some I, this was one of my favorite films of 2016 because, once again, I, it feels authentic. I mean, I knew people when I was going to college who were exactly like these people. There, there's a quote in, in, in this, in, in the film, which it, it makes me think uh, a, lot of, a lot about some of these people I know. And, and these players were baseball players. So the, the quote is, every, every time you're having sex, you think about baseball, and every time that you're playing baseball, you're think, thinking of sex. I mean, it wasn't baseball, but... I, with certain aspects of my my um, when I was going to school, I mean for film, you would some people every time they were talking, working with the camera, working on, on a set, they were talking about sex or who they were going to go be seen later that night for sex or whatnot. And then later on, I I talked to that person about just uh, not that person, but the girl who they were with. And they were like, yeah, they wouldn't shut up about the set that they were on for film, and they wouldn't shut up about these films that they were watching. I was like, you weren't even paying attention. It's just it, it's. Anyway, it's really funny. It's authentic it, 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 for that purpose. That that that. For that reason, I like the film. It's really funny. It takes place in the '80s, so for, it has a great soundtrack. I I love this film. I really do. Everybody wants some. I definitely check it out. I mean, I'm, this is sidetracked again. I'm really. I understand that, right? You have people who bragged about who they're going to go have sex with later that night. Yes, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's yes. I mean, I mean, bragging might not be the right. No, breaking was the word for some of these people. They looked at pe they looked at like another notch on their belt, and 
That's not. That's not. I, I, I'm trying to not go back to the whole male privilege thing here, but I'm, I'm just, I hung out with some questionable people in school. That's all I'm saying. That's, that, 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 I'll leave it at that. Let's just move on. And Mike, you're number uh, three. It's actually my turn. Oh, okay. Wow. So, you're number so three. we did not talk about male privilege and then skip over the female. Good job. Uh, keep it up, I guess. Actually, don't. Okay, anyway, my number three is also Everybody Wants Some, and I promise you did not see this list until, until I'm saying it. I also really like this one. I, I feel like, so I watched this one before I watched Dazed and Confused, and I feel like Dazed and Confused was almost like his first attempt at, at this type of thing, and then he refined it and made it better. And that's what everybody wants them is. I would just like to say, it's not like he did that. It is, he <laughs> did do that. I mean, Dazed and Confused came out before everybody wants them. So it's not like he got into a time machine. He's like, man, I'm going to go back in time now and make this movie. He did do that. And I, I, I would, I, because I dug myself into a hole here, I would <laughs> like you to come out and say, why did you like this film? <laughs> I'm not going to attack you because it was a good film. This time, we'll see. Um... Yeah, no, it was really good. And, uh, Mike, you can say your number three now. Uh, my number three is School of Rock. I really enjoyed that movie back when it came out. I haven't watched it since then. Um, but I remember enjoying it. <laughs> so, that's my number three. My number two is probably the film that he's going to be best known for. It's going to be, like, that film that's on his gravestone when he dies. That one film that everyone just remembers him for. And that is Boyhood. It's a great film. I mean, once again, coming-of-age films are like catnip to me i love them they're just great and it, it doesn't matter it could, it could be like we were talking about before uh on netflix uh to, to all the boys i've loved before or to just some, some schlocky thing i um samantha we were watching that that that, well, that, that netflix thing dashing dashing lily yeah it's kind of a coming of age film about young romance and, and so once again I overall enjoyed that you didn't finish it. I though. didn't finish it, but that's that's other. You should have finished okay, it. You fa- wouldn't be so happy. He <laughs> wouldn't like the it's, ending. Well, it's okay. Everybody, well, I didn't finish it. And would you like to know what else I didn't do? Mm. I didn't watch the Taylor Swift documentary that I said I was going to watch. <laughs> but but um, I did remember. As you can see, I did remember, and I will get to that at some point. But what's uh-huh. uh, it? Boyhood. I mean, it, it, twelve years. It filmed this over twelve years. I mean. A, no other filmmaker would attempt to do that. It, it, it's such a unique project. And thank God nothing happened to either Richard Linklater or the the main three actors in the film, uh, Ethan Hawke, Patricia Arquette, and of course I can't remember the the, the actual boy's name. Or as you watch him grow, grow from boyhood to manhood. I mean, it's, it's a really great project. Sadly, he's not the best actor. So he's the weakest part of the film... But of course, when you cast the kid when he's like ten years old, you don't know that. He's doing the great, especially when he's like an actual kid. He's doing great because Linklater knows how to get those moments, those great innocent moments, uh, there. And it, it's a great film. I mean, it shows you what happens. Like, it shows what happens when you move away from people, or, or when you have someone in your family leave an abusive relationship. You, you don't know what happens to all those other people who are in the, that person's life. You're questioning what happens. You're wondering what happens, but you lose that contact. You have to figure out ways that you move on with yourself to 
become the person you're going to be. And I think that's that this film is really great. Uh, it's three hours long, so it is a little bit of a time commitment, but definitely worth the journey. So, uh, Boyhood, number two. I definitely do want to see that one still. Once again, on criteria, so, it's, it's part of the Criterion collect, uh, Collection. As I'm, as I'm looking over at my movies right now, I see it proudly sitting over there. It's Proudly sitting? Proudly. I, it is a great wow. movie. I love Boyhood. And the fact that it's part of the Criterion Collection makes me so happy. So, uh, yeah, I, you definitely need to watch it. Okay, um, my number two, we already talked about on the show, and I'm sure it's going to be mentioned again, uh, is Before Sunrise. And I know I was very cynical, but overall, I did enjoy the movie. Enough that it made my number two. Once you got past The Stranger Danger. Once I got past The Stranger Danger. And I'm going to cheat here. Complete cheat. On my list that Samantha keeps looking at when we're recording here, it says before sunrise. It does. It does. But what she doesn't know is it's the entire you can't trilogy. Do that. Surprise! You that in the past that. I'm just saying. That's very hypocritical. I don't care. I'm the one who. Uh, no, I don't care. I'm the one who does the website. It's going to say. Oh, the, it's, wow. it's going to say. Website privilege now? Yes, website privilege, because <laughs> I spend countless hours working on that website. You do. It is going to say the Before Trilogy. Wow. And if there's ever, now, obviously, if there's ever a fourth film, we'll revisit this. And so, it will say the Before Trilogy in parentheses, Before Sunrise, because Before Sunrise is my favorite of the trilogy. Uh, that, once again, has to do a lot with my concept of love. And I... I, I I mean, like most people, I don't want to look at the crummy side that comes with it. I want to always look at that great spark. So, Before Sunrise is my favorite of the, the trilogy, but I do love the fact that it takes us through an entire relationship. And it, it's hard to think of any films that do that. So, uh, before the Before Trilogy, my number one pick. Okay, my number one is for sure going to make John mad, so we'll see if he'll say anything. Uh, my number one is Where'd You Go, Bernadette? And I like this one because it kind of felt like the main character was a woman who's fallen from grace, and she's finding her footing again throughout the movie. And I really kind of like that narrative. <laughs> yes, John? I feel, once again, I, I, I'm cherry-picking words here. It feels yeah. like the... I can't even remember. I, I, I was going to make a joke about how it feels yeah. like she's a woman, but she is a woman. I, I, I don't Excuse know. me? <laughs> I don't know where <laughs> What I'm are going. you trying to say? I don't know. Originally, she's I, really struggling in life, I, and she's finding her footing I, again, and I, she's, I, she goes on this great adventure through it, and I like that. I, I, I think my problem with that film was she completely abandons her family and says, screw you guys, I don't care about you. That's not what she did at all. She I, thought they were going to be there, and then they weren't. Is it really what happens? Because in my that, mind, in, in my mind, once again, I've only seen the film once. Okay, we'll argue about care. this later, probably. And I didn't, and I didn't care for it that much when I first saw it. Yeah. In my mind, she just leaves, and they figure out where she's at, but she's just gone. And I, we'll and, we'll talk about this some more later. Okay, so that is what happens, but not really. I don't know we'll what talk we're about I don't know later. what we're getting at. I I I really per- and not to once again attack Samantha's list. It's her Always list. Always attacking my list. <laughs> I swear to God. I, I named the show to attack Samantha's list. I I I just. I really think this is one of my least favorite Richard Linklater films. I 
I just I I, I didn't connect with it. And once again, that might be because I'm not a woman, and I, I didn't connect with it in that way. But uh, th- th- another film that I kind of put in this same vein was a, a Reese Witherspoon film called Wild. I don't know, if, Mike. Did you see that? No. This isn't the case for Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Where'd You Go, Bernadette? She's a good mother. She's just she has a good career. She's just not happy with her place in life. So she's trying to find that that spark of life again. Which I mean, if you go look at if you look at Richard Linklater's other films, once again that that fits with what he's trying to do with the human experience and everything like that. The issue with the film Wild was this character, like, I wish Reese Witherspoon's character is a rather, I mean, bad character, bad person. And then she's like, oh, I've been a bad person. I'm going to flip a switch and try and be a good person. I'm like, I don't care if you're flipping that switch and want to be a good person. You still did crappy things, and you're expecting me to find sympathy for you. I don't have sympathy for you, are you? And maybe that's just because I'm a bad person. But that's fine. That's neither here nor there. Once again, we're not psychoanalyzing me. Even though I think we continue to do that every show because I keep talking. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's why we do this. <laughs> I'm bad. My number one is a scanner darkly. It's absolutely fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you should. I think it's like it's probably almost twenty years old by now. Um, I think it came out before Bad News Bears, didn't it? It did come out before Bad News Bears, yes. Anyway, the book is even older. It's a Philip K. Dick book, um, which is also fantastic. You can read it if you haven't um for some reason people i suppose i could see why people seem to think um the story is often pro-drug but it's off it's actually about um obviously the dangers of doing drugs and kind of the pitfalls that you fall into even though uh you don't think it's a pitfall it's like the like it was so bad that philip dick had to add at the end of uh newer editions that he's talking he he is sad that people think it's pro-drug after he spent his whole life watching his friends die from drug use and things like that um, but yeah, anyway, the performances by like Keanu Reeves and uh, Robert Downey Jr. are fantastic. The visual style I was iffy of at first, but I really enjoyed it. Um, overall, it's a fantastic movie, and even imagine if I watched his other films, this would probably still be either number one or number two on my list. Either way. And, and this for me is actually one of the blind spots. I've never seen a Scanner Darkly. Uh, and a lot of that, I think, just went to the rotoscope animation style. It's not my. It's, it's really not my style of filmmaking. So I, I just eventually have to get over that and watch this film. Uh, and I also know that Philip K. Dick's stories can get really dark, and that's not really, that's not usually what I'm in the mood for. Um, I mean, obviously, I love Blade Runner, but that's, that's really just a hey. We took the inspiration from uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, instead of uh, a direct adaptation. So uh, anyway. Uh, definitely need to watch that. Uh, does it, I'm assuming nobody else has honorable mentions. I'm probably the only one, one that does. Uh, uh, Bernie. That's my. That's the other film on my list that I, 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 I didn't know what to get rid of to put Bernie on because I love the other films so much. But uh, Bernie, it's a Jack Black, uh, Matthew McConaughey film. Really good. It was it was on Netflix for the longest time. It still might be. Uh, that, that's how I first saw it. it was on Netflix, uh, back when you know they did release their own crappy movies and they actually had to show movies that other people made that were good. So yeah, that that's uh, that. So if you guys want to share your uh, favorite Richard Linklater films, free, uh, feel free to do that. You can always comment on the Facebook post or the Twitter or email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We'll be very happy to 
uh, take a look at your responses and get back to you and kind of talk about this great filmmaker that we have. But for next week's show, Mike, you are the only one who's going to be picking a film for the, for next week's show because Samantha and I are going to be taking a look at Netflix uh, Netflix films. God, if there was a Netflix film festival, I would just not want to go to it. But we are going to do this. <laughs> I'm dissing film festivals. Um, we're going to be taking a look at the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, I know that as of right now, I have 30 films penciled in. Yep, I'm not going to... I don't know for how we're going to do all those. It's called... Never Sleeping. Never Sleep Again. So, uh, <laughs> 30 films penciled in, so it's going to be a busy time. So, me and Samantha are going to play a lot of Among Us while again? you watch movies, I take it? She, no. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. No, her phone's going to be put away. So, if you stick, once again, if you stick around to the end of this episode, the very end, uh, you, you will hear Samantha and I talking about our most anticipated films of that festival. But, Mike, what film are you picking for next week's show? I'm picking His House on Netflix. We're still working on a top five for next week. So, we will come up with one. It will be a surprise for everybody. Uh, it will probably be posted on Twitter and Facebook. So, if you guys want to comment, you're free to do that. But the show for next week should be an interesting one. Mike and myself, we are going to review the film His House, uh, which is, you said, streaming on Netflix, correct, Mike? So that will be there, and then Samantha will be joining uh, us at a later time, and she and I will just be talking about the Sundance films. So it should be a good show next week. Hopefully it's a good show. If not, sorry guys, we'll catch you after the Sundance Film Festival, where we will be talking about other films like, what, the, uh, the new Denzel Washington film, and I can't think of the name of it. Uh, we were just talking about it earlier today, Mike. Virtual I don't remember it, but there's a new Denzel. Uh, huh? No, no, no. Uh, uh, no, I don't remember now. It's coming to HBO Max. But does anybody have anything else to say before we officially wrap the show up? No. Okay. So you can once again follow us at uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All Filmology Show. The website is filmologyshow.com. You can go there to check out reviews all the way back to 2013. Top fives as well. So, great place to check out for uh, if you're looking for a good film to watch. We are going to go back to doing daily recommendations on the Facebook page and trying to do daily recommendations on Twitter. Still, don't really fully understand these things. It should be simple, but I still don't understand them. So, uh, once that's done, we'll figure that out. Guys, I think that's it for this week. Samantha, you'll be sticking with us to talk about the Netflix. Uh, Netflix. I keep saying Netflix. The Sundance. This why? why? The Sundance. That the, one. The thing I'm really, the huge one. The huge one that I'm really excited about. Yeah. And for some reason, I keep thinking I'm on a <laughs> Netflix festival, and I keep getting sad inside. I think you just really want the Netflix festival. It's it's like a Freudian slip. Yeah. Maybe we should make our own Netflix festival. We should. Okay. Everyone picks Lord. three random movies, and everyone has to watch them. That sounds fun. We should do that sometime. They do have a movie randomizer. No, Irish you have to pick ones you haven't seen. I've and then seen... everyone has to watch them. That's nine movies. That's a festival. That sounds fantastic. Let's do that another time. We're going to do that next week. Thank you, Mike. No worries. No, that's not <laughs> next week. Oh, God. That's not next week. No. Okay, whatever. Sometime we'll take a look at the, the Netflix. We'll do a Netflix film festival. We'll take yes. a look at that. I love it. And we'll get that going. That won't be probably till after festivals. Uh, the early festival season here is done. So, uh, with all that, all that being said... Enjoy your weekend film, and we'll see you next week. Let's all go to the lobby. 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. So as promised, we are back here with our filmology and credits scene. Just like, you know, a good Marvel movie, there's always a little surprise at the end. Sadly, I don't think there's going to be surprises at the end of our other episodes. And really, this isn't a surprise because I told you it was coming. Surprise! <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, Samantha's still there with, you know, the little confetti popper ready to go. All excited because it's a surprise. A fake surprise, but anyway. A real surprise. <laughs> it's a real surprise. All right. So, um, we are here to talk about the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. I don't know about you, Samantha, but... when. When we were going through the program to look at all the films that we could possibly see, there's a, over 70 feature films that you have the opportunity to see, and then of course a whole bunch of short films. So many of them looked good, it was hard to come up with just five that I was anticipating. But my initial list that I came up with that I was like, you know, excited for, was 15 films. And it's, that, that was me putting aside the films that I knew you would pick for your list. So I had 15 films, plus films that I know that you're going to be mentioning here on your top five. Uh, did you have a hard time coming up with just five films you were excited for? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, I really like short films, so I'm excited for all of those. And they won't be on my top five because John told me I couldn't. And all of the movies look really good. And I'm curious about what these series mean. I'm really excited. I mean, a series is like, you know, a TV series. like Yeah, but it's a festival. How do you do a TV show for a festival? It's like a short... It's like I don't a, get it. It's like a, hey, here are the first two episodes. We won't show the, you the rest of them for like another year. But what? this is just building up the excitement for no, them. No, I want the whole TV show. Well, that's okay. I mean, most of the films that premiere here at Sundance... Like, they're not going to get wide, widely released until later in the year. So you're going to be seeing these films, and then other people like who are listening to this have the opportunity to see some of these films later on. So like we're trying to make people excited for these films. That's one thing which I love about going to festivals. Uh, you're like usually one of the first people to see the film, the first people, one of one of the first groups to see the film, especially at the Sundance Film Festival. I mean that's one of the biggest film festivals in uh, the United States. So the fact that I mean, it's going online because of the pandemic, which is giving us the opportunity to see it and countless other, uh, <laughs> countless others across the country the chance to see these films. And I think that's really exciting. But anyway, our list here, we're going to talk about, we each picked five films, each five different films, so we can give everybody ten films to look forward to here at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. Top five movie features. Again, I'm very excited for all of the shorts. The shorts do look good. And the, the thing which I'm actually really excited about the shorts, uh, I can watch them anytime during the film festival. That's something that I'm, I mean, that sounds like a really small thing to be excited for. But all the other films really have uh, designated times that they're playing. So let's say if you're working at a certain time, you might not have the chance to see some of these films. They are playing on an on-demand block two days after their initial show time. But once again, if you're working that day, you won't be able to see the film. 
I, I do like that. I do like the, how they're still trying to make it feel like an actual festival and saying, hey, it's premiering here at 7 o'clock. You have to sit down at 7 o'clock with your popcorn and watch this movie. Sadly, you don't get to wait in a line because Samantha, our listeners, they don't know how much I like the lines. He it's, loves lines. It's such a weird thing to like, but you can just connect to a whole bunch of people, talk about the different films you've seen. Or uh, why you're just like what you're looking forward to. I, and I like those kind of things, those kind of conversations. And they sadly don't happen with an online festival. I mean, the, technically they happen on Twitter and Facebook, but it, it's not, it's really not the same. If you want to get him to be your friend, just make him wait in a line and stand right next to him. And we can talk like you'll um, be best friends in the first five minutes of being there. Are you sure? Because there's people <laughs> who we've talked to in the lines. Who I think hated me, but then they were like, Aww. man, we're here for two and a half hours with him. We have to put up with him. So they just <laughs> agree to kind of like me. That's kind of harsh. Well, I mean, it's true. Anyway, it's true anyway. What's your number five? My number five is In the Same Breath. It's directed by Nuhan Wang, who directed uh, One Child Nation and uh, Hooligan Sparrow, which uh, Samantha, you and I saw One Child Nation together. Really liked it. And, well, we really liked the documentary. It told us about subject matter that we, we kind of knew about, but not in depth, like knew about the one-child policy of China. And uh, really, really liked that. It's a really sad film, but uh, really well told. And Hooligan Sparrow, which I saw at the Milwaukee, uh, I think it's the Milwaukee International Film Festival, a couple years back. And really enjoyed that. But uh, So in the same breath, plot synopsis, how did the Chinese government turn pandemic cover-ups in Wuhan into a triumph for the Communist Party? I mean, pretty simple there. It does sound kind of terrifying. I, I, I'm kind of excited to see this film. Uh, it, it does sound like it's going to be a dark film. It sounds like it's going to be like, hey, this, 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 uh, this pandemic could have been stopped in China. Could have been stopped you know, in the United States here. Kind of sounds like there's uh, some parallels that could be going on there between... Um, a certain party in the United States and the Communist Party in China. Let's not really get into that now until we've seen the film, but, you know, kind of sounds like it. So, uh, that's my number five pick. Samantha, what's your number five? My number five is our hashtag J. It's another spinoff of Romeo and Juliet. I guess they're trying... I don't. I didn't actually pull up the... Oh, did you want me to? I, I I'm assuming everyone generally knows Romeo and Juliet, but now they're trying to put a new age spin on it with cell phones and stuff like that. I love a good Romeo and Juliet spinoff. There's been no Mio and Juliet. There's been Warm Bodies. There's been like the 2013 one, which they use the actual one, and then there's the Leonardo DiCaprio one. Like there's so many of them. Are they good? Sometimes. Are they bad? Sometimes. I'm excited to see this one just to compare it to everything else. And it still upsets me that, because we were talking about the your list beforehand to make sure we didn't have anything that overlapped. Yeah. And you were talking about all your Shakespeare adaptations, the, the Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet, I can't not say Romeo and Juliet today. Romeo and Juliet, uh, did I say it right? I don't even know. You can just call them R hashtag J all of the, the movie. All of those uh, adaptations that that they've made. I mean, like you said, they've made countless adaptations of the, the Shakespeare play. But you still haven't mentioned West Side Story. And to our listeners out there, she hasn't seen West Side Story. I just want to call her out on that. Uh, I do 
like I made her promise that before the new Steven Spielberg one comes out, whenever that comes out, who knows if it's coming out at this point, but she was going to watch the original one before seeing that new one. Uh, I don't know if you remember promising that. Nope, but uh, sure. I'll do that. Yes, promise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Might want to get that in writing, I guess. That's out here now. Everyone's going to hear it. <laughs> so um, it's a good thing about audio uh, podcasts. Uh, they stay out there forever. Really? Oh, dear. So, anyway, uh, my number four. It is called Mass. Uh, and it stars Jason Isaac. Jason Isaacs. Uh, here is the plot synopsis for that film. Years after a tragic shooting, the parents of both the victim and the perpetrator meet face to face. Now, obviously, this sounds like an intense film. Uh, for those of you who are new to filmology, uh, you haven't like read any of my reviews or anything like that. Every time there's a mass shooting, uh, it really, for me, I mean, sticks with me for a long time. Unlike all of our politicians who apparently don't have a soul, who don't care that all these people died. It, they're, they're, they're tragic events. Uh, from shootings at a, con- a concert, to shootings at a mall, to shootings at a movie theater, to a school. They are all tragic events that could have been stopped. And I think that this concept of these parents meeting is just it's it's built for tension and conflict and it sounds just it sounds like it's gonna be a gut punch of a film and Jason Isaacs I don't, I, I'm assuming you like Jason Isaacs Samantha you don't know who Jason Isaacs is do you who, who well Jason Isaacs is best known of course for playing Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter films but he has also done other things uh, as well <laughs> So, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know who that is. Uh, so a, a good actor, I feel. And I, I'm excited for this film. Uh, I, I do understand that a lot of people probably are going to avoid a film like this, which I think for me is the reason why I'm like wanting to see this film, because it's such a tough subject matter, and I, I hope it confronts an issue straight on instead of trying to bury it under the rug like so many of our politicians do. Samantha, you're number three. Uh, number four, excuse me. I, I'm thinking my number three. You're number four. Well, mine's a little bit lighter than yours, it sounds like. Mine is playing with sharks. Um, I'll read you the, the, the thing. The synopsis. Yes, I'm going to read you that now. Most people aren't thrilled at the chance to be surrounded by a shiver of sharks, but Valerie Taylor isn't most people. A fearless diver, marine conservationist, and Australian icon, she dedicated most of her life to exploring the beauty of sharks. Well, um, if you know me, you know that I love animals. And if you know John, he loves the movie Jaws. We both have things to look forward to. Although these sharks are probably not going to eat people because they're good boys and girls. I'm very excited to see them and... Uh, <laughs> John is able to tell you that I know a lot of shark facts for no reason, and I will be trying to hold them back while I watch it. Uh, with that being said, I mean, you're you're going to school for a pre-vet and everything like that, so animal facts and all that are, like, your thing. Like, I went to school for film, so film's kind of, like, my thing. That's, that's, that's I mean, that's obviously why I'm here on a film podcast talking about film and everything like that is because, I mean, that's, that's what I went to school for. I went to study film and make film, so... Trying to use some of that knowledge here, because I don't use it at my day job, so, you know, still like to keep that, for some reason, keep that stuff relevant in my life. Really excited for that film, actually. 
Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the, the 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 subject, the the person. Uh, I, I, obviously, you just said her name, and I can't remember it, so I do apologize. Valerie Taylor. Valerie Taylor. I thought she did some work on Jaws. Actually, I think she did some underwater photography of a shark, the shark uh, destroying the shark cage in that film. I could be completely mistaken, but in my mind, I feel like that's correct. So I, I was excited. I was and am excited to see that film. It did make my short list of films to watch at the Sundance Film Festival. As of right now, it is on my whiteboard of films to see. Hopefully, uh, nothing changes to make that film go away, because I am excited to see the film. So, uh, my turn, I believe, for number three. Wait, wait, I have one more thing to say. Okay. Fun fact about sharks, they have multiple sets of teeth, and if one falls out, it just, like, another one just pops in, basically, because they have multiple layers of teeth. Could, could I, could I, 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 never mind, I'm not going to go there, it's not, I was going to, that is a fun fact. It's so fun. It is fun. I, 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 hopefully you can bring me some more fun facts when we watch the I film. have more. Okay, because. I just thought I should give our, that, our that, listeners that one That is a too. very, very simple fun fact. Well, I just, okay, I want to make sure everyone feels included. Okay, I, f- I feel included, because I knew that fact. We should play some trivia sometime. Shark just, trivia? Just don't have that be a question on your trivia. Ooh, we should play a game where we name how many sharks shark names we know. Okay, we can do that. Bruce is number one, but that's fine. No, his, no. It's his name. It's no, his name is Bruce. No, no, no. Like cookie cutter shark. Or tiger shark. Bruce, Hammerhead? Bruce the Great White, White shark. shark. Okay, anyway. Uh, my number three is Judas and the Black Messiah. All right, uh, the plot synopsis here for the film. The story of Fred Hampton, deputy chairman of the National Black Panther Party, who was assassinated in 1969 by a Cook County tactician unit on the orders of the FBI and the Chicago Police Department. This film stars Daniel Kulia and Lakeith Stanfield, both actors who I really adore. They're great actors, and... Uh, that's another reason to be excited for this film. Obviously, if you just listened to our talk here or One Night in Miami or listened to uh, our Top Ten show or previous shows, this is a, these are films and subject matters that I feel need to be talked about more. I'm really excited for this film. It's not, it's probably, I mean, based on that subject matter, it's not going to be, be the feel-good movie of the year or of the festival. But it could be one of the most engaging films. So I'm excited for that and... Once again, they're phenomenal actors. So, another reason to be excited for the film. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Which uh, also will be coming to HBO Max later in February, I believe. This this is like its first hurrah before it comes to HBO Max. Because it's part of that HBO Max uh, Warner Brothers thing where it's a day and date release uh, in theaters and on HBO Max. So, we will be talking about this film later on as well. But it will feel... Hopefully good to see it a bit early. So that's my number three. Uh, Samantha, you're number three. My number three is knocking. What is that noise? When Molly hears knocking coming from the ceiling in her new apartment, she naturally searches for the source. The upstairs neighbors don't know what she's talking about and dismiss her with cool indifference. Is this all in her mind? It seems kind of like a, like a mystery th- thriller, which it could be sinister, it could be nothing. I don't know. So it, it reminds me 
because I mean, you mentioned an apartment, and when I think of apartments in horror, in mysteries, I think of Rosemary's Baby. And then you throw in the neighbors there who don't actually hear anything. Well, they probably do. I mean, they could be part of a satanic cult. I don't know. If you guys haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, I kind of spoil it for you. But trust me, you've seen that film referenced in all modern horror films. It's that good. Uh, and you should definitely go out and check out Rosemary's Baby. But yeah, yeah, Knocking does sound interesting. Once again, made my short list. I think all of your films made my short list uh, of films that, I, that I'm excited to see. Uh, and uh, a horror film, um, uh, Sundance has had really good horror films that have come out of that festival. Uh, Hereditary, which you still haven't seen, but I, I adore Hereditary. That came from the Sundance Film Festival. So there is proof there that we can get a good horror film. So maybe Knocking will be, I don't want to say the next Hereditary because that's a very high bar, but a... A good horror film that we can look back at um, later in the year. Uh, my number two is Passing, and it's directed by Rebecca Hall. Uh, this is the uh, plot, uh, the plot synopsis for the film uh, on Letterboxd. The unexpected reunion of two high school friends, Claire Kendry and Irene Redfield, ignites a mutual obsession that threats both of their carefully constructed realities. Now that is not the plot synopsis that the Sundance Film Festival, the Sundance Film Festival gave you in their guide. Um, I believe in the guide it mentions how these are both African American women, and who could pass off as being white. And obviously, I'm assuming one of them does take that route, and the other does not. Uh, this also stars some great actresses. You have Ruth Nega, who you know Samantha from Agents of Shield. Uh, I will show you a picture of her right now. That is a picture of her. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So she was on Agents of Shield, and she was in Loving a few years ago, uh, 2017, I believe. Ah, oh, 2016. Really great in that film. One of the best performances. I don't know if she won Best Actress. She was definitely favored to win. She probably should have won, knowing how the Oscars usually go. But uh, great actress there. And then you have Tessa Thompson, who once again, Samantha, you do know because she plays Valkyrie in the uh, Marvel uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and she's also done other great things, uh, Dear White People, Creed. Uh, she's a phenomenal actress, and this is directed by Rebecca Hall, who, yet again, is a phenomenal actress. I think this is her directorial debut, so that's a reason to be excited there. Subject matter seems interesting. Great actresses. I'm really excited for this film, so Passing is my number two. My number two is At The Ready. Home to one of the region's largest law enforcement education program, students at Horizon High School in El Paso train to become police officers and border patrol agents as they discover the reality of their dream jo job may be at odds with the truth and people that they hold they hold they hold most hold most most dear. Um, I don't know why this one caught my attention so so much, but it really did. Like I'm really curious to see what that would be like for them and. To see how it conflicts, I don't know. I just was really curious about it. Obviously, it's a really topical film right now, so that's the reason why I'm excited for it. Because once again, I like topical things. Uh, a lot more to talk about there. A lot more that the not just film community can come around, but you know, as a general community, we can rally around this film and have talking points around it. And I think that's 
uh, what good films should do, which should make your community talk about things that are going on within that community. So th- that's interesting. Obviously, I, I, I'll have to try to go into the film a little uh, open-minded. Usually with films like this that deal with the p- police, I don't go... Does uh, uh, that plot synopsis? I, I don't know. I... I don't want to. I what I guess I don't want to see is a very pro police movie. I would like to see one that's well balanced. Of it can be pro police, but yes, let's talk about the issues at hand. I think that sounds fine and fair. But if it's just a pro police propaganda film, I don't want to see that. And I really don't think the film, the Sundance Film Festival, would have a film that's so uh, pro one side or another. Uh, usually, they do try to do one well balanced things. So I, I do hope that's what we get here. Uh, I don't believe this was on my shortlist. I, I I know it's on my like list of films I, I'd like to see, but it wasn't on the yes, I really want to see this list. So I, I could be wrong. Uh, my number one. Now, we've gone over all these really heavy films kind of on my list, I really feel. I mean, this this is probably the heaviest of them all, Samantha. This is probably just Why really Why do you like heavy films? Things. This really isn't. I'm being sarcastic. But it's Street Gang. How we got to Sesame Street. I, I mean, I grew up on, with Sesame Street. This is re- pretty much just nostalgia speaking. And of course, I'm going back to another documentary. I, I think it was at the Sundance Film Festival uh, as well. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? The about the documentary about Fred Rogers. A phenomenal documentary. The documentary made me cry. It made me happy. It made me realize all these things about Fred Rogers. Uh, made me learn all these things, excuse me, about Fred Rogers that I never knew before. Which is what a documentary should do. It should be engaging and it should let you learn new things. Now, put in television, uh, put in ch- uh, children's television mixed with Muppets. I mean, come on. What more could you want in a documentary? Muppets and children's television. And especially children's television that is... As engaging as Sesame Street, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not like I watch Sesame Street now, but back in the day, I mean, come on. What was better than doing anything with these characters? I'm really excited for this documentary. It is a lighthearted film. So, well, I think it's really hard. I don't know. Maybe there's some sinister background to the Sesame Street characters I don't know about. I doubt that. But I'm really excited for this. Um, and then, of course, uh, there are other great documentaries out there as well. There's one about, uh, I think his name is Carol Spinney, who uh, who recently passed away. But uh, he, he was Big Bird, uh, the puppeteer and voice of Big Bird. Uh, so that, that's a really good documentary. And then there's another one uh, called Being Elmo which is about the puppeteer and voice of Elmo. I know that that puppeteer has had some controversy, but the, the documentary itself is really good, so I, I can't fault the documentary for telling an engaging story. Uh, Street Gang. Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street, my most anticipated film of the Sundance 2021 Film Festival. Samantha, what is your most anticipated film of this fest? My number one is Coda. As a CODA, child of deaf adults, Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music and her fear of abandoning her parents. Now, this one does seem like it's a little bit heavy compared to the other ones. And I'm just, I was fascinated with the premise, and I'm very curious to see how it's going to turn out, and I have high hopes. I'm really excited for this film. 
for a lot of reasons. A, it, it does sound really good. I mean, this, in all seriousness, as, um, as much as I want to see the, the Sesame Street doc, that would have been my most anticipated film of the festival. It sounds really good. And the great premise. It just, it sounds like a really, it, it's showing me a side of a family and a side of a different community that I don't know. I'm not used to that. So I'm excited to watch that. Because once again, film, it's it's showing me different things. It's teaching me different things. And while this isn't a documentary, it's a narrative, but I can still learn while watching that. Obviously, that's what I like in film. I I, I mean, Mike calls me out all the time how I don't like to turn my brain... No, not turn my brain off, but how I just don't accept generic action movies because they're just generic. I, I don't like that. I like to learn things, and that's... Coda sounds like that film. The other thing that's really exciting about Coda is uh, I believe the parents are actually played by deaf actors, not act not actors who are pretending to be deaf, which I think is really nice, really uh, unique for that film because that doesn't happen that often. It, it sadly doesn't. Really excited for that film. We will definitely talk about that film later on. We don't know how the film actually is, but it will definitely be talked about on a wrap up show because how excited I am and Samantha. I think that I mean you put as your most anticipated film of the fest. You're excited for it as well, so we will definitely catch up with Coda in, uh, I believe, two weeks when we do our wrap-up show. I think that's when we're doing our, tw- uh, our wrap-up show for the Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, once again, make sure you guys follow us at filmologyshow.com. Look on the site for giveaways. We are having a giveaway for a Sundance Film Festival, uh, a previous Sundance Film Festival film. I know what the film is. Samantha, you don't know. Mike doesn't know. But I can tell you, everybody here on the show liked the film. So that is exciting. And, uh, yeah. If you guys are going to be seeing any films here at this 2021 Sundance Film Festival, you'd like to share your most anticipated films with us, you can always email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. And we will definitely talk about the films you guys are all excited to see on a later show. Or, by the time you're listening to this, if you have seen any films at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival and you want to let us know what you thought, you can also email those uh, thoughts into us. Samantha, do you have any closing thoughts here on films you're excited to see at the Film Fest? I'm really excited to see the shorts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in all seriousness, Samantha, the shorts do sound good. I'm not saying that the shorts don't sound good. I'm just They couldn't be in my top five, so I have to emphasize it as much as possible for all of them out we there. We will. <laughs> Samantha, once we do our wrap-up show, you will be here in the, the exact chair you're sitting in now. I want to be in that chair. You want to be in the, the other chair. Okay. <laughs> well, we will be sitting here in the studio still talking about our, our, the wrap-up. We'll talk about the shorts. We'll talk about our favorite shorts. I, don't, I hope not to talk about our least favorite shorts, because, I mean, obviously I'd like to, to like all, I would like to like all of them the same. Obviously we both know that usually doesn't happen, we do usually have least favorite shorts when we watch short films, but all of the same, really excited to see those shorts, really excited for the fest, and guys, we'll catch you on Twitter talking about the film festival, so we will catch you on the flip side.